Hello, and welcome to the Antioch Fort Worth weekly podcast. At Antioch, our desire is to cultivate a passion for Jesus and his purposes on the earth. To connect with us in community, partner with us through giving, or visit on a Sunday morning, please visit AntiochFortWorth.com. We hope you enjoy this week's sermon from lead pastor Jamie Miller. We're in a series right now uh, called Death to Life. And so just four weeks, and we're, we're all moving toward next week. We're going to have a baptism Sunday. So if anybody needs to be baptized into Christ, we want to do that next Sunday. And we're like, the rumor is we're breaking out of our traditional placement of the baptistry, which is right here. And we may go to some other place where it's more visible. Just, it's just crazy around here. Just breaking traditions left and right, keeping it fresh and real. That was random. Actually, that's not completely dissimilar to what I'm going to be talking about today, though. It kind of kind of works a little bit with Romans 7. So in the first two weeks, Romans 5, we talked about new life. Everybody's under Adam, and Jesus Christ comes to bring new life to everyone. And so, uh, so then, then in uh, chapter 7, excuse me, 6, it starts off just like, wow, can it be that great? I mean, does it mean we can do whatever we want to do? No. And we talked about last week, we died with Christ. On the cross, we were crucified. 6 verse 6. Romans 6 verse 11. We now count ourselves dead to sin. And in the rest of that chapter, is we're living in a new reality. We live in a whole new way of being human in Jesus Christ, right? Everybody remember that? It was so exciting. It was just fun for me to preach Romans 6. Romans 7 is a little bit harder. And it's like a parenthesis or, you know, between what's coming in Romans chapter 8. Who likes Romans 8? Yeah. I mean, Romans 8 is like, Wah. you know, kick something over and throw it down and walk off. And I'm a guitarist. I think I just realized we've got visiting parents and stuff today. And uh, there's still that, oh, that 79. I've got a 79 Strat I bought brand new. And uh, just I think in heaven, there are going to be some slightly overdriven tones with a 57, 58 model Strat. Just, just that open G. And just... <laughs> Cole, Cole said, preach. <laughs> uh, um, where was I? Heaven. Romans 7. Romans 8's coming. And, and so we're going to have to live in some tension today as we talk about Romans 7. Because Romans 7 is the one, I do what I don't want to do, and I did what I don't, and I, evil, and I want to, and all this stuff, right? And, and so it's like, whoa, what's going on? And I think the Lord's really kind of, I'm in the middle of a, a download on some of this. And here's the main thing, and I'll try to get it out in English. There's something happening down in the Spirit. But God's calling us to serve in the new way of the Spirit and to live free from bondage. We're in, right? That's what we want to do. We're so thankful. And it really helps as we're... This is one of the freshest readings of Romans I've had in a long time. And part of it is the context. And just coming across this, uh, just the historical context was Paul's writing Romans about 57 A.D. And what uh, the emperor Claudius in 48 or 49 had expelled the Jews, all Jews, from Rome. Everybody, it's a historical fact. Everybody was expelled. It's also talked about in Acts chapter 18. But it's also, there's other secular Roman historians talk about when the Jews were expelled from Rome. 
And so they were gone for about six or seven years. And after Claudius dies, they start working their way back into Rome again. So you've got Rome, uh, Jews and Jewish believers coming back into Rome. And now, the, but the churches there, they're Gentile churches. They're Roman church, they're Romans that aren't Jews. And now these groups are coming back together. Okay, and so that's you got to when you're reading Romans, you got to remember that's what's going on here. That's the situation that Paul's writing into. So, you know, it's not just a systematic theology or uh, the Roman road or the way to be saved, although you can do all of you can get to all of those places uh, by looking at Romans that way. But it's there's something really big that's going on in Paul's mind as he's trying to bring these different people groups together. And he's saying it's not okay for the for the Jewish Christians to be separated from the Gentile Christians. That's not going to work. Everybody tracking that that's the story behind the story. And the more I've been thinking about this, and this is where the the download stuff comes, is I've been just reflecting on Paul in so much like he planted some churches, but he had a he had a revelation from God that he was constantly trying to get out. He was, he had been given something. Turn to Ephesians chapter, chapter three. I want to just, I want to just read a few verses to show what's going on with Paul. Ephesians three, verse two. Surely you've heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is the mystery made known to me by revelation. As I've already written briefly, in reading this, you'll be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ which was not made known to people in other generations as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. The mystery is that through the Gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise that is in Christ Jesus. Okay, so Paul's been given this incredible revelation. And and what's been hitting me is, for these 20, almost six years now, we've been walking in this revelation and I, I'm just now getting more words for it. Like, yes, we've for years and years, we've talked about how the, the next section there in three. And by the way, if anybody's wondering about Ephesians 1 to 3, it is the Mount Everest of the New Testament. I mean, it's like this glorious revelation of what God in a sweeping way has been doing. And now Paul's out there, I'm going to preach to the nations, to the Gentiles, the unsearchable riches of Christ and make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery that was kept hidden and how Jesus Christ is getting released through his people. And that revelation, that getting Jesus out to the nations is God putting his people on, uh, on, on display as a, his manifold wisdom to the heavenly realms. That's what's going on there. Everybody tracking. So, so, We've been living in that, and now I'm just I'm starting to see as I'm looking at Romans, like this is this is like that's that's exactly what Paul was doing. That was his revelation that he's saying he's saying it's it's all people together, the Jews and the Gentiles together as one people, one body in in the Messiah. Now you look around the room, and there's different nations and backgrounds and ethnicities, and that's the way it ought to be. It should always be that way. It should be every tribe, language, nation, and tongue. I mean, if the Jews can be together with the Gentiles, and like, 
part of the reason God gave them the law, it wasn't so they could be the people of God. They were the people of God. And He gave them this law that marked them out in distinction from all the other nations of the world. But rather than release that blessing, they held on to that. And you know what happens when you judge somebody? When you say, we've got something, we've got God, and you don't. Now, if we started looking down on each other in this room as I've got something superior over you, what's that going to do in our flesh? You know, you know, if I, if I say, I don't like you, you're less than. And then you go, I don't like you. You're, and that's, that's what he's fighting here. Paul is fighting in Romans that the Jews that are clearly coming back into the church and the Gentiles, how are we going to get along? How's this thing all going to work out? That's the revelation in Ephesians. In fact, Ephesians, the next chapter, starts off and says, therefore, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. You've been given a oneness in Christ. Now, work at it. There's one Lord, one faith, one baptism. And so again, it's like baptism keeps popping up. Here we are. We're going to celebrate our oneness in Christ next week. You know, in Acts chapter 15. It's the story of the Gentiles. They've come into the church in Acts 10. Cornelius, Peter has the vision, goes and preaches the gospel at Cornelius' house. He gets interrupted in the middle of the message. Holy Spirit comes. God's welcoming the Gentiles into the, into the church. Okay, wow. Okay, this is, that's, that's big. Acts 15, there's a big conference. Everybody gets together to talk about what does this mean? Do the, Jew, do the Gentiles have to keep the law? And so James, they, they work on it a little bit, and James stands up on behalf of the apostles and the elders, and he says, it's my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. Instead, we should write to them, telling them to abstain from food polluted by idols, from sexual immorality, from the meat of strangled animals, and from blood. And he goes on and says, for the law of Moses has been preached all around the world. These are the things they need to remember. Isn't that an interesting list of four things? Do it this way. Four things like, you know, I mean, what about like love God or, you know, but no food sacrificed to idols. No, help me out. <laughs> no strangled animals, no sexual immorality, no, no, yeah, no drinking blood. Now, can you imagine like if we said, okay, let's, let's adopt, the, that's the main things, right? We're mainly a Gentile church. I suppose we've got some Jewish background folks here too, but mainly a Gentile church uh, in, the, in that way. And we just, instead of love God, love one, we put, let's put these four things out here. Hey, we're the church that doesn't <laughs> eat the strangled animals and no blood, no blood here, no sexual immorality, and we're not going to eat food sacrificed to idols. It's just interesting to me, right? It's, it's, it's interesting. So Paul is working on this thing. He's got a revelation. I mean, if you think about this, like the Jew, it was really a big deal for them to eat at the table. And really, because they were so separated because of the law, they wouldn't, they felt like that was something they needed to keep going in the church. So Paul writes the first letter of the New Testament, Galatians. And it's all about this. It's all about who's going to eat at the table with whom. Can we all, and I know we couldn't all fit at one table, but are we okay with that? You look around the room, are we okay eating a meal with each other, even in our differences? And so Paul just goes off 
He, I mean, like he, 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 he goes off, you know, if you, that's another gospel and let them be anathema. You know, if, if you, if you're going to preach that other gospel, I confronted Peter to his face because Peter used to sit around and eat with all of us. We all sat at the same table. Then the agitators come from Jerusalem down to Antioch. And then suddenly Peter's pulling back. He got Barnabas to pull back and some others to pull back. They wouldn't eat at the same table. He goes, that's crazy. He didn't say, I'm, I'm paraphrasing. And he's like, that's, that, I got my, I didn't get my gospel from them. I didn't get it from Jerusalem. I got it from Jesus Christ. And then I went out in the desert and thought about it for three years. And just started pulling the pieces together by the leading of God's Spirit. And I'm just, this is the revelation He's given me. We're not all these distinct peoples that don't eat at the same table. We're one people. And He goes on and He says, look, and, and again, it's baptism. He says, the law was given like a nanny, like a tutor to help us get to when we would see Jesus Christ, the one seed, and in Him we are one family together. And everybody that's put their faith in Him has been baptized in Him. We're not a lot of distinct, separate... Uh, we have our distinctions. We don't lose who we are, every tribe, language, nation, and tongue. But there's no more Jew and Greek. There's no more slave and free economic distinctions. There's no more... Uh, male over I'm dominating you my wife but we're one together in Christ you see that buddy tracking like this is it's it's just like that's so much of what the new testament is about is Paul is just making this huge argument for us being one people and if it can happen with Jews and Gentiles and again, because the law marked them out like that, I mean, the Jews are probably the most persecuted people group of all time down through the millennia because that judgment's going out and that judgment's coming back. And so that's, that's kind of how that works and has worked over time. And so Paul, now all that, mainly what I'm doing is introduction here, but all of that is to, so that we can understand Romans rightly in, in the right way, that we can understand What's going on there? Because when we get to Romans chapter 7, verse 1, turn over there. Romans chapter 7, verse 1, you see again that Paul's having this conversation. He's, he's trying to help these two different groups, the Jewish background and the Gentile background, get together and have conversation and talk. So he says in verse 1, Do you not know, brothers and sisters, for I am speaking to those who know the law. Okay, wait a minute. That's not everybody. The Gentiles, they don't know the law. They were not under the law. The Jews had the law. Everybody tracking? Yes. So one group's got the law. The other group doesn't have the law. But it's really important that this under, other group understand what is going on in the, in the Jewish mind and in the Jewish way of thinking and in the, the Jewish law. So all of that is huge. And it really starts helping to make the rest of Romans make sense. Paul is... He's there's all, uh, 70 different times he asks a question in the letter. 70 times. Isn't that interesting? Like he's asking, he's trying to get people to understand. And then sometimes he's even representing different perspectives. Sometimes things don't make sense to us. It's like he's entering into a dialogue. Well, you'd say this, and but this other group would say this. And, and so that's why, you know, even in one, two and three, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, but and one, two, and Romans one, two, and three. It's like, you know, you can almost hear 
the Jewish guys going, you Gentile guys are crazy. The wrath of God's coming down on you. You do all kinds of bizarre stuff that a Jew would never, ever do. And just giving yourselves over to crazy sexual stuff and all this, and, and you, don't even, you don't even obey your parents. Which I always thought, man, that's a wild, just right there at the end, and you disobey your parents. And right after animals and just bizarre, crazy stuff. And, and so, but then he turns around to the Jews and he says, but you who call yourself a Jew, you're judging, but you do the same things. You, you do all the same stuff. You, you say don't commit adultery, but you, you do. And you say don't lie, but you do. And you say don't steal, but you do. And so we're all in this thing together. And he's working on that constantly through the, Rome, the, the letter to the Romans. So much so that even after we go on to 8, we're going to do that in chapter 8. It's going to be awesome. But 9, 10, 11, he's like talking about the implications for Israel. And then 12, he goes, okay, now everybody get along. Get along with each other. Offer your bodies as a sacrifice to the Lord. Learn to do what's right. If you've got a gift, use it for building the church up. If you've got something that goes down, live at peace with each other. Stop judging each other. Accept one another just as the Lord Himself accepted you. Does this make sense? So it just, it's really helping for me. I'm just, I'm wanting us to see this, to pull this thing together. Like how Paul's trying to pull the Romans with the different backgrounds together. And this is such a word for us. Oh my, it's such a word for us right now in 2018. It is a word. I mean, we're about to vote on Tuesday, but we're not, we are in, I feel like I'm going through puberty. We are in Christ first and foremost. That's main, that we're, I'm not first whatever I'm going to do on Tuesday. Whatever vote. We, we, that's not who we are first. We belong to Jesus Christ who is the King and the Lord. Got real quiet. I didn't say anything about voting in first service. And, uh, so, Lord bless you guys. So the law that we're talking about here. So that's kind of the subject of of chapter 7. He's like talking about, now I'm talking to you under the law. The law, we've got to remember the difference between in our minds between covenant and between contract. Covenant, contract. Covenant, contract. And so another way of saying it is Torah. This This is the law of Israel. Torah. But that's not the middle aged uh, middle ages lex latin is the word for law and we think of contract law we think uh you know you do some things i'll do some things and but if if you break your side then i can break the con- the the contract's over now god doesn't do that god says you're my people and these are the laws that mark you out as distinct from all the nations so they're not trying to do that in order to one day be god's people this is given to them and it marks them out. And God's saying, I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to be faithful to you no matter what happens. I mean, even when he cuts the covenant with Abram, Yancey and I were talking yesterday, like Abram's asleep. God cleans the animal and does the thing and walks through this, you know, the smoking fire pot and all that. And God says, I'm going to be faithful. And God does it, even though the Israelites were unfaithful, even though they're just like everybody else, all of us in the same boat, God's faithful. Are you tracking? God is faithful. God is faithful. And that's just remembering the difference in our mind. There's a difference between covenant 
that's one-sided, God's going to be faithful even when we're faithless, versus contract thinking that gets us into this performance kind of mode of I'm never doing enough. I can't get there if I don't work harder. You know, those kind, that kind of thinking. And it's a different kind of life that we're called to, that this multi-ethnic epicenter kind of people that we're called to be. It's a different kind of life in Christ. So let me read some of the Scripture. How are we doing? I just, I'm like, I'm, there's something. It just, you know, when you start seeing something, it's like, oh, I want everybody to get it. If I could just pour it in and it's, it's bugging me and I want everybody to wrestle with it. Two. Yeah. Okay. Some of you guys newer and you're going, wow, this is weird. Um, Jesus, help me. Um, so, so, the freedom life, which is a little bit of a misnomer because he's talking about getting out of bondage, but it is a free life. And I'll just go ahead and say, when we get to Romans 8, it's, there's no condemnation. We've got a new law that's at work here. That's where this is going. And we're looking at this as a parenthesis here this week, but we're going to get to Romans 8 next week. So he says in verse 1, the freedom, freedom life means we're released from the old way and we serve in the new way. Those are my two points, and that's kind of in verse 6 there. But he says, do do you not know, brothers and sisters, for I'm speaking to those who know the law, that the law has authority over someone only as long as that person lives. For example, by law, a married woman is bound to her husband as long as he is alive. But if her husband dies, she's released from the law that binds her to him. So he's explaining how this analogy works between the Jews and the law by giving the illustration of a woman in marriage. So another man while her, excuse me, so then if she has sexual relations with another man while her husband is still alive, she is called an adulteress. But if her husband dies, she's released from that law and is not an adulteress if she marries another man. So my brothers and sisters, you also died to the law through the body of Christ that you might belong to another, to him who was raised from the dead in order that we might bear fruit for God. For when we were in the realm of the flesh, the sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in us so that we bore fruit for death. But now, by dying to what once bound us, we've been released from the law so that we serve in the new way of the Spirit and not in the old way of the written code. So the the analogy here is we've just been talking about last week in Romans 6 how we died. For we know that our old self was crucified with Christ on the cross. We di- and we died to sin. We don't live in that. We're not jumping around, finding ways to sin. We're, even as I finished last week, I referred to the blessing of being miserable sinners. And all I meant by that was we don't want to be happy in it. We, we want to walk in the Spirit. And if, if it grieves God, we don't want to take joy in our sin. You know? And so... So uh, he's saying, you've died to that though. You've died to sin. And now he's coming back and it's like this conversation still happening. He says, and look, if you're under the law, you're, you're not there anymore. You died not only to sin, but you died to the law. Okay, everybody tracking? Just, just a big deal. We're le- released from the old way. And the way I kind of you know, think about this with regard to, um, you know, yes, we need to understand that we, let's see, we need to understand that we've been, if, if we're not Jewish background folks who are practicing the 613 commandments of the law, that's, if that's not us, 
but we do need to understand the mindset of what we've been grafted into. So we're a people that have been... The, the, the Jewish story becomes our story in Jesus. So in Jesus, all that happened in the Old Testament and all... It's a, like That's not just... We just don't ever talk about that. We're grafted in. That becomes our story. That's our sweeping connection to what God's doing. And here we are. We talk about this all the time. We're, on, we're in the fifth act right now. And all those things that have happened before, you know, we're pointing to in light of what happened has happened and, and toward what God is bringing in the future that's coming. So, uh, you know, an illustration might help. So for us, maybe it's not the law. You know, maybe it's not, we're not thinking like, hey, the laws, we never were thinking that. The laws marked us out and, and as, as God's people, but we, we, it's easy for us to slip into methods and systems and, and it's not even like the Jews. It's not, we're not trying to work our way into heaven and think that those things that we do make us saved, but we do, it is easy to put our hope or our trust in some of these things that we do instead of Jesus Christ. And I just this morning I was I was thinking what's well how can I illustrate this and I thought of trunk or treat and so and, and this is a little bit it's light, I'm doing the lighter version before I get to the heavy version so trunk or treat's kind of lighter everybody understand what trunk or treat is no it's the Halloween thing that we did out here in the parking lot and everybody brings candy and it's trunk in your trunk and you dress it up trunk or treat and we just did it for the first time but imagine that. Not only did we do that for the first time, but we kept that tradition going. And I'm fine if we do whatever. But I mean like really kept it going. We did it for 10 years, 100 years, Lord Terry's. We do it, we've done it for a 1,000 years now. A 1,000 years of trunk or treat. Can you imagine how, wow, there might be a certain amount of identity hooked up with trunk or treatism. The things you do, the things you don't do as you execute the liturgical dynamics of trunk or treatism. And I really am trying to be just a little bit lighter there because when we start talking about the things that we actually do get some identity in, things that, you know, it's like, ooh, the, the way we do discipleship, you know, in Antioch. I mean, it's a big deal. But, I mean, if we then enforce that or, or make other people feel bad or less than, or the way we get words for each other and encourage each other and prophetic input or the way we uh, our worship. You know, this is... I mean, there's no place I'd rather be on a, on a Sunday morning than right here. Worship, just going for it. But if I take that attitude, or let's say three, four generations down the line, it's like, our worship's better than anybody else's worship. You, you see what happens? And we start then looking down on our brothers and sisters who are maybe more liturgical or have robes or do, you know, do chants or do all these different kinds of really awesome expressions of worship that aren't the way we do it on a Sunday morning here. And so what Paul's huge revelation is, he's saying, I want you to forget this old thing that defined you, but, but you've died to it now. And so you can't be bringing that into the church because it's going to bring judgment on others and it's going to separate the body of Christ. Everybody tracking? So that's what he's... I mean, he's really pressing against that, not just because he sins and messes up. You know, We can all identify with... Anybody identify with Romans 7? 
Like you do stuff you don't want to do. Several of you guys, five, six. (laughs) That's just a safety valve. Letting a little pressure off here. Okay, so uh, the law, though, it, it, uh, it, you know, when you when you know the law, it's like, it's like, don't, don't eat the cookies out of the cookie jar. And it's like, oh, I didn't know that that thing has, it's got cookies in it. You know, but there's a, now there's a barrier here on the top with the jar, and I'm not supposed to do that. And that's what he says in the next paragraph there. I wouldn't have known what coveting was if the law hadn't said don't covet. You know, it's like sin. It's kind of how uh, you know, the law is kind of how the, the sin gets no, known in its fullest way so that Jesus Christ can come and bring an end to that, uh, that thing that bound us. Whatever that thing that bound us you know, was, the, those systemic, methodological things. I, I don't know if that's just the best way to say that. But, but uh, He wants to set us free. So yeah, we can relate to it on a personal level, but He's talking to these people who are under the law. And this is what it's like. It's, when He says, I, it's not Paul talking about this is just the way normal Christians live. He's talking about what it's like to live under the law. Everybody tracking? So this isn't just, we just live a defeated experience from here on. That's not life in Christ. I'm just living beat up. You know, he's saying this is what, what life is like under the law. So let's read the big famous paragraph. Verse 14, we know that the law is spiritual, but I'm unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. I do not understand what I do for what I want to do. I do not do, but what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good as it is. It is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me. That is in my sinful nature. For I desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil's right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin uh, at work within me. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself in my mind am a slave to God's law, but in my sinful nature, a slave to the law of sin. So we've got a new way of living a new that's where Paul is going with this and so here's how, here's how I want to wrap this up we can think about this from a macro level and at the macro level we are one people in Christ and that's what Paul is going for here even is in Romans 6 Romans 5 Romans 6 Romans 7 Romans 8 and at the macro level you know with all our brothers and sisters different denominations that emphasize different things but it's we're not divided and in our hearts, especially we're not divided from them just because we can't all meet in the same place. Doesn't mean we're not one. We can't all meet in the same house group. Doesn't mean we're not one. You know, we can't meet in the same church building. Doesn't mean we're not one. Yeah, but they emphasize different things. That's okay. It's okay. Love each other, accept one another in the Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God. He's given us all the victory. And we're all trusting in that same victory for life and forgiveness and peace and hope. So, so you've got the macro level, and it could be us and other churches. 
could be us right here in this room. You know, do we see that we're one? Even though we've got all these different backgrounds and things, do we see that? That's huge. And so then on the, the personal level would be the other thing. And that is where, yeah, I mean, we can identify with what we just read. You know, it, it's not the normal Christian life. He's talking to the Jewish Christians who were under the law and how they've been set free from that by dying to the law in Jesus Christ. But do we identify with it sometimes? How about just in the last month? Did you do something you didn't want to do? And something you weren't supposed to do, you, you did anyway? And you kind of got angry with somebody and had to repent? Or saw something you shouldn't have seen or you know what y'all see what I'm saying I mean we all so at a personal level it's there but at the macro level that's really what Paul's going for he wants this people to be one people and I'll relieve the tension here there's no condemnation in Christ Jesus there's a whole brand new law we're going to talk about it next week there's a whole new law that's taken it's superseded the old law of sin and death and it's the law of the Spirit and of life and of freedom and of peace in Jesus Christ. Just like gravity holds me down no matter how I many, I, I keep jump off the step, I fall down to the next thing. But in Jesus Christ, a new law, the law of aerodynamics, lifts me up in the Spirit to live a whole new kind of life in existence. And it's great news. And that's for every, put your faith in Jesus, put your hope in Jesus, put your trust in Jesus. And next week, we're going to have some baptisms. And we're going to be cheering like crazy because of new life in Jesus Christ. I don't think I've ever... Maybe I was, I've been in some different backgrounds where you know I've been in some baptisms where it was kind of quiet. But for 25 years, they've been loud. And so just, I mean, stand up, point at them. Yeah, you can't keep a somber, cranky-looking face at a baptism. It's like just a whole bunch of new life being celebrated. And it's a communal thing that we're going to be doing together. It's my commercial for that. It's a communal, it's, it's community. And we see, it's like going to a, a, a wedding and you squeeze the hand of you. Y'all don't know about this yet. But you're sitting there at a wedding and your wife's there with you and, and you see something beautiful and you squeeze each other's hand. Because it reminds you of the vows that you've made, the commitments that you've made. And baptism's like that. It's just new life in Jesus. All right, let's stand up. Worship team, come on up. We're going to take just a couple minutes here. Respond to God. We do this at the end of every service if you're visiting with us. And I'll just give a couple of calls here. I also could get the ministry team to come up. We'll just take five minutes or so and do this. Hey, first of all, if you need to start a relationship with Jesus Christ, let today be the day. Don't, don't put it off to tomorrow. I mean, you can start right now. Put your hope and your trust in Jesus Christ. You can be baptized even next week. Let's do it. Let's celebrate new life as we, as we do this next week. And just a couple other things. If there's at the big picture level, if somebody, if, if, if you need to go, wow, I didn't, I didn't know that it was like it's supposed to be that incredible, our oneness in Christ and all this diversity it's exactly what he, god loves it every tribe language nation and tongue i mean we are we're in process but we're going to be that multi-ethnic epicenter life-giving multiplying reproducing christ manifesting father's love receiving holy spirit empowered church that's who we're that's who that's where we're going
And, uh, and then the, on the personal level, man, if you just need a breakthrough, you've been cycling on something, something you don't want to do, and you, you want to get out of it, man, there's breakthrough in Jesus. He died to set you free. You can live the freedom life. So wherever you're at, and if you, even if you just need prayer about something else, please come. Get ministry today. God answers prayer. Father, meet us. We love you. We need you. We call on your name through the powerful name of Jesus and the power of the Spirit. Amen. Come, get ministry. Receive the Lord. Take your next step with God. Go for it. Sometimes just stepping out, man, it just helps. Go get prayer. Amen.